Hello and welcome to Unbossed. We are so glad you are here. And in the co-host chair today is none other than Jackson White. We are at Jackson White Mondays. Yes, Action Jackson will be with us every single Monday. Or can I say most Mondays just in case something, something jumps off? Yeah, just in case you know, yeah, somebody gets case, sick or life, life happens. You know, but like we were doing Wednesdays, but now we making it a little more special and we getting the week completely started off from the jump with Nina and Jackson. You there know, so it is. I'm feeling from, good about it. From the jump and I'm feeling good about it too. And you know, Jackson, speaking of the jump, I was with I was watching the Cavs last night. I was at the game. Oh, yeah. they did it in the land, so people may see. No, they never have seen me wear a jersey before, but baby, I got to rep the land today. We did that. We are on our way to the playoffs. So, all right, please <laughs> land. Get ready. All right, yeah. So you, you got you got your uh, your week started off really nice, thing. Really nice yeah. last night. It was really good. Got a chance to spend time with my dad. So you know, daddy daughter time on the court. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So. Here we are, we're gonna talk about some basketball today that ain't beautiful, but I just want to start off with the beautiful thing that the Cavs absolutely won last night and they <laughs> are on fire in the land. So Jackson and I will be talking about 3000 employees are seeking to unionize after being referred to as inmates by managers. Yes, in the good old US of A, you got managers calling the workers who make it happen every single day, calling them inmates. Then Representative Hakeem Jeffries urges leader or Speaker McCarthy to hold a vote on common sense gun reform. Ain't got a problem with that, glad he's urging it. But what she was doing all that urging when the Democrats were in control during the 117th Congress. Jackson and I will talk about how both parties are failing. But this right here is definitely a WTF moment. Y'all know how I hate when people play politics just to pay politics. And later in the show, we'll discuss the double standard for black women in sports. This is that other basketball game I was telling you about. And it's not just a double standard for black people, black women in sports. It is a double standard for black women in life. Hello, somebody. Now don't forget to share, to subscribe, to like. If you are new to tuning in to Unboss, welcome to the show. Make sure you share this love. If you are a regular viewer, we thank you so very much. Get ready to make some comments. Sachi will be collecting those comments. And you know I want you to share this with your friends and your frenemies. This is one of the best hours of their day. Do that for us, will you? So we're gonna start off with the unification or the unionization efforts. A transportation and shipping company is seeking to unionize the company DH. L is one of the largest air cargo airports in the world. And why are they seeking to unionize? I am so glad you asked. A former manager at one of DHL's largest facilities claims a fellow manager or fellow managers refer to workers as inmates and themselves as wardens of a prison in conversations about how to stop a union organize and drive at the site. This is coming from the Guardian. Thank you, Michael, for this reporting. Now, let me tell you something, if you're referring to the people who work for you, work with you as inmates and you think you are a warden, you need not be in a management position. That gets it started all wrong from the beginning. It is definitely the mind, the wrong mindset to have when it comes to employees and those people who supervise, the people who actually work with them. Now here's more about what the former manager went through. Ryan Doan has worked at DHL for about five years and was promoted to a manager position as a 
ramp lead on the DHL Express ramp. He said he resigned from management at the logistics company's super hub and returned to an hourly position after hearing the responses and attitudes of other managers towards his coworkers once a union organizing drive ramped up at the site. And you know, Ryan is, is the kind of person that we need to be a manager, but certainly we can understand why he didn't want any parts of that leadership nonsense. Kudos to him and he went on to say, I kept hearing ill speaking of the hourly workers or hourly employees. Then one day I overheard a conversation between two managers that they needed to take back the hub that that they referred to as a prison and that they are the wardens taking back the prison from the inmates. On that note, I did not want to be a part of management anymore because I couldn't idly sit by and allow managers to speak ill of the people I called my friends and colleagues. It didn't sit right with me as a human being. You better go ahead and say that, Ryan. Now, afterwards, he started speaking with union organizer organizers and getting involved in the union effort. The Teamsters are unionizing for other reasons, such as DHL workers pushing for job security, representation at disciplinary hearings, improved pay and benefits, a voice on safety issues and working conditions. This is the same thing that most workers, no matter what field they're in, these are the types of things that workers are asking for, and this is not unreasonable. Now, more about the company DHL. DHL employs about 3,000 workers at the CVG Global Hub, with 900 workers currently seeking to form a union with Teamsters Local 100. And the work isn't easy either. The work is dangerous and grueling. Dangerous and grueling, with workers subjected to extreme temperatures in the summer and winter months, often without air conditioning or heating in vehicles. Now, sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is wrong and we know it. And we've heard other shipping type companies make references to those same types of working conditions, which actually no one should be facing in the 21st century in America. Now, another employee stated, as hourly employees, we've been referred to as inmates by management. Managers. The phrase used was they are the ones taking back the ramp from the inmates. We're just not respected out there. We don't have the dignity and respect in the workplace that we deserve and people are getting fed up with it. And that's coming from Stephen Fightmaster with an excellent, excellent last name. When asked about the inmates comments, a spokesperson for DHL did not directly address the allegations. So here we are, Jackson, workers are rising up all over this country. They are realizing that they don't have to take insufficient and cruel work conditions. And really kudos to Ryan for saying, I mean, he gave up a promotion. He said, I don't want any parts of this. Absolutely, 100%. And I think one of the things that's happening right now, well, first, we're gonna continue to see more workers push for unionization across a plethora of industries. But one thing that's happening right now is there was a time when deunionization wasn't as big of a deal because the economy was better. But now that's really not the case. And so people are feeling the pain a whole lot more. It's rough out here. Workers are incredibly replaceable. And to the point where I mean, like if you, and this is coming from somebody, I don't have a college degree. So if you don't have a college education, plus really a nice network who can just kind of put you in a job, you might be spending months or years looking for something decent if you don't wanna work at a shoe store or at the mall somewhere. 
And um, you know, I mean, so much to the point where even if you're making six figures, depending on where you live, you can make a hundred thousand plus dollars. You can make two hundred thousand dollars. But if you lose that job, you might instantly be broke because your bills are too much. You got to pay all the, you know, you got to pay for X, Y, and Z. So we're gonna see more workers push for unionization because in a lot of ways, it's the only way the working class can survive moving forward. Otherwise, it's just the profits for the managerial class and nothing more to the point where they're calling them inmates. It's like, I mean, just think about the culture that is. They really don't have any regard for the workers who make everything possible. No, they don't, Jackson. And whether or not that managerial class realizes realizes it or not, they are part of the working class. You know, and I say this often. I'll continue to say it unless you got a sugar mama, sugar daddy, a sugar somebody. Or how long is that gonna last? Right, you're part <laughs> of the working class. Right. And so, just because you got an extra fancy title does not mean that you're better than the people that help you with the extra fancy title make it happen for that company. It should be unacceptable. And who's whoever is over those managers should be embarrassed and disgusted that anything like this is bubbling up and try to do something about it. But if they are not, it is because they don't want to see these workers unionized. Now, union support in this country is on the rise. Jackson made a very good point. When times are good, maybe people felt like they didn't need a union, but union support is on the rise in this country. And I would I would say that we always need unions because workers need the opportunity to come together and collectively bargain to be able to sit across the table from management and collectively bargain for benefits, for wages, and for work conditions. So DHL, your employees, please, y'all keep the faith and keep the fight. And Jackson, now ain't nothing wrong with the mall workers now. Oh, nothing. Ain't nothing wrong with it. But I mean, just in I terms know, of I'm like just, you know, between yeah. that and like a like a career level position that's yeah. gonna come with the salary and benefits, like. It, it can be difficult to 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 get in a, in, a, in a spot like that, but you're 100 right. Uh, even people in the managerial class, they're still part of the working class just because you have a fancy title really Come doesn't on. mean much. So you know, the the, the Bill Clinton era is gone. The 90s where it's where it was great for you know Democrats can be a little more corporate because everybody has savings. You know, oh lord, those yeah. days are over. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, no, we kudos for those workers. So we're gonna keep you up to date on this story and no employees should be called inmates and managers who think that they are wardens, they need a new job. So DHL leadership, y'all need to go ahead and get your folks and get that place cleaned out and answer the cries and the pleas of your workers that make DHL pop every single day. WTF neoliberal, unfortunately, this political moment is more about I got use among politicians instead of working to get the people what they need. The case in point has me scratching my head, shaking my head and sighing. WTF neoliberal. We will now kneel. Miss Cinema, Miss Cinema, no. I have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. We haven't played it in a while. And in all honesty, though, this segment right here that Jackson and I are about to discuss with you, it could be called WTF Neoliberal and WTH GOP. But we only got a bumper for WTF Neoliberal. So here we are. We're going to talk about both of them, though. Let's look at this headline. Representative Jeffries urges McCarthy to hold vote on common sense gun reform after Nashville shooting. House 
Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries is pressing Speaker Kevin McCarthy to hold a vote on common sense gun safety legislation following this week's deadly shooting at a Christian school in Nashville. You know, good on him. I'm glad that he is pushing him to do that, but he should have been pushing a long time ago. And why are they always writing a letter? Always writing a letter today. Instead of doing something today, it numbs the mind. Why Democrats had many opportunities over the last few election cycles in the Congress where Democrats were in total control, whether it was the Obama administration, beginning of the Obama administration, also the beginning of the Biden administration, that they controlled both chambers and they really could have done something about this scourge called mass shootings. And I mean in a, in a variety of ways, not just common sense gun laws, which most Americans do agree that they want. Even most gun owners outside of the NRA are okay with common sense gun reform. But I'll come back to that. In his letter to Speaker McCarthy, Leader Jeffries wrote the following. I write today to strongly urge you to immediately bring up common sense gun safety legislation for a vote upon our return to Congress. And you know why he said upon the return? Because they gone on break. Now everybody deserves a break, I'm not hating on that. But it's so much work that this Congress needs to get done. And it always seems like to me, they always on break. And I don't have a problem with them pushing the Republicans again on this issue, push away. What I have a problem with is performative politics for the sake of performative politics without any compass towards truly and I mean truly getting something done in a way that says that you're gonna put it all out on the line. Now, a reminder about what happened in Nashville. Three children and three adults dead in Nashville school shooting. Three children and three adult staff members died from gunshot wounds in Nashville, Tennessee on Monday. Police said after an individual armed with two assault style weapons and a handgun opened fire at the school. Now the shooter was a 20 year old white woman. This woman was eventually shot by police. And the victims of the shooting, Evelyn, Haley, William, all of those were children nine years old. And we got Cynthia, Catherine and Mike, all of them are were in their 60s. So we got three babies, three adults, no matter how old any of these people are, but this is how the news put it out there and that's fine, You know, we wanna know. But these are the people, the babies and the adults looking out for these babies who were shot during this mass shooting. Now let's watch Representative Jamal Bowman express his outrage over this tragedy. Look at the data, more guns lead to more deaths. Look at the data, more guns lead to more deaths. Guns, states that have open carry laws have more deaths. 
Representative Bauman giving it the requisite emotion that it deserves. Now that's what I'm talking about, Jackson. That's what I want to see elected officials do. Get out there and yell and scream and do what needs to be done. You know, Jackson, too often they too cool, calm, and collected about tragedies like this and others. And he was minding his own business before that other rep gonna come up in there and ask him what he yelling about and then start pointing at him. And then I know this is really subtle and maybe petty, but that chick that walked between them like that, that kind of got to me that 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 white chick that walked yeah. between them like that instead of walking around them. That that messed with me a little bit. But but here we are, Representative Bowman doing exactly and saying what exactly needs to be said about the weight of this moment. Your thoughts? Well, you know, it's just yeah, like that chick right there. I'm sorry, the team played. I, I, think, I, that think, chick right I think that uh, I think that bothered you because you be in people's faces and you put yourself in his shoes. <laughs> like if you was if you was in somebody's face and they walked between you, so you, you caught. Yeah, me. I probably would. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, brother. I come right back to you, chick. Didn't you see us talking? Yeah, that's why. That's why I said you. You. You just yeah. have experience with that, you know. Oh so. yeah. <laughs> it's called but, um, disrespect. She was disrespectful, is what she was. Yeah. But, go ahead. but uh, you know, this is just like a uniquely American problem in terms of you know people not really understanding. More cancer is more cancer. More disease is more disease. More guns is more shooting. Like it's really not a complicated issue at all. And um, you know, if we have more people like Jamal Bowman in the Democratic Party, not just making that rhetoric in people's faces, but also uh, on the floor of Congress and how hard they push for bills, we wouldn't have this issue uh, so greatly. Because I mean, what was it, the Oklahoma shootings? I was alive when that happened. What was that, 98 or something like that? Ever since then, it's just been an increasing Escalating. problem. Yeah, it's just escalated more and more and more. Um, you know, there, there's just really no argument to be had. It kind of reminds me the Democrats are like, you know, when somebody's been looking, they say they're looking for a job, six months go by, they still ain't got no job. Like, how hard are you really looking? Like, you might not be able to find something great. Go work at McDonald's or Burger King in the meantime. You know, so it's just like, it is. That, that's kind of what the Democratic Party reminds me of. It's like, you look up and it's like, y'all really ain't fighting just because you got a bill on the docket. Really Come on. And that's it, Jackson. That's it. And you know, all of these smart want to know it alls. I had a tweet I was gonna put up, but I decided otherwise because I, you know, made a tweet about, hey, Democrats, y'all should have did something. And that's not letting the Republicans off the hook. And then some smart Alec, which he shouldn't have jumped into my, you know, like that chick that walked between them. <laughs> Don't yeah. don't 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 come on comment on my stuff, baby. If you ain't ready to do the dance. Oh, yeah, but anyway, yeah. you know he did. You know bad faith. You know you making a bad faith argument. No, I'm not. Yeah, Democrats did put up some bills and they did pass those bills, but they knew good and daggone well those bills wasn't gonna pass in the Senate over there, and they were lightweight on that when they had many many opportunities, and it just galls me, Jackson, to see so many people like this person that had the nerve to 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 get all up in my face on Twitter because that's pretty much what they did. 
uh, you know, not understand that defending political parties is not where we should be right now. Why the hell are you defending either one of these parties when it comes to the, this matter of mass shooting, especially mass shootings at schools? Both parties have not done what they should do to protect our children. Now, Jack, there have been 130 mass shootings in the United States so far, we just in April. According to the Gun Violence Archive, there were 647 mass shootings last year. We are already at 130 America. Now the deadliest school shooting since 1999, let's put up part one of that. We got in 2018 in May, Santa Fe High School, February 14, 2018, Stoneman Douglas High School, November 14, 2017, Ranchero, Toma Elementary School, October 1st, 2015. Uqua uh, Community College in Roseburg, uh, Arizona, May 23rd, 2014, the area near the University of California Santa Barbara campus. All right, and it, go, it keeps on going. The deadliest school shooting since 1999, part two. You got December 14th, Sandy Hook, April 2nd, Orcos University in Oakland, California, 26, uh, 20, 2007, Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia, October 2nd, 2006. West Nickel Mine School in Pennsylvania, March 21st, 2005. Red Lake Senior High School in Red Lake, Minnesota. And on April the 20th, 1999, we got Columbine High School. Now there have been others, you all. We're just highlighting some of the deadliest ones. But America, we are we got a problem. And we we Houston, we got a problem. Hello, somebody, we have a problem, we gotta address it. Now back to the performative nature of this particular situation. The Dems have, as, as Jackson and I have laid out, they've had ample opportunities to go ham over mass shootings, especially mass shootings of our children in school. They failed to go hard in the paint in the 117th Congress when Joseph R. Biden, the current president of the United States of America had control of both chambers of Congress and the same thing happened when President Obama had control of both chambers in that Congress. Did they push the President hard to lean in on the Dems in the Senate? No. Did they push hard on the President and the Dems senators to end the filibuster? Hell no. So that tells me they weren't really serious to begin with. Now look, people always say they don't like politics. Polit- it depends on how politics is used. And at this point, family, These politicians, most of them, far too many of them, not all of them, but far too many of them are using it for performative purposes. Meanwhile, people are dying, physically, mentally, spiritually dying. So I need you to hear me and understand that. And you, but you know who's in full control? Who doesn't lose, they don't lose anything, they don't lose sleep, they don't lose money, they lose nothing. And that's the owner donors. And the major owner donor that is in control at this time, put up this headline team, how the NRA became the most powerful special interest in Washington. Unlike corporate lobbyists, the power of the NRA comes from its massive membership and powerful activist base, as well as from millions of dollars from dues and corporate sponsors. And do y'all want to know what they do with those dues and those corporate sponsors? They pay off politicians, they bribe politicians, both on the state and federal levels of government. And while other lobbyists usually have rivals, the gun lobbies opposition doesn't have anywhere near the strength of support that the NRA has. They don't. Now, Chris points out that in 2010, the NRA spent more than 240 million 
more than the, the Brady Center to prevent gun violence, the biggest spender among gun control groups. That's it, they outspent the Brady Center to not have any checks on this thing. And they act as though the second amendment is absolute, it is not absolute. And I'm, I'm look, I'm for people bearing arms, bear your arms. People gotta bear arms responsibly. And we have to come together as a nation to say that this cannot continue to stand instead of worshiping the second amendment. But Jackson, your thoughts? Well, you know, at the end of the day, again, like we pointed out with the since Columbine in 99, it's been getting worse. But the reason that politicians don't go hard on this issue is because it will require them to work and try. You know, you got to consider a lot of people who are senators or in the House. That's a pretty sweet job. You know, I mean, like you're connected to everyone, everyone's connected to you. You're the person everybody got to talk to. You're in a position to where if you just let the donors pay you, you really don't have to do very much at all. You have access to start whatever other business you want to, you're set. And if you want to leave office, you can do that. And you got a whole bunch of other jobs lined up for you. So it's really just a matter of being, you know, it's really just a corporate job. Being a politician at that level is a good career and they want to be comfortable. They don't really want to risk that. So that's why they don't fight. Don't fight and don't care about big mama and big papa's kids being uncomfortable in their communities. And again, not all of them, but far too many of them are controlled by the owner donors and that's why things don't happen. And this country is failing when it comes to not only protecting our children, but the whole of the country. It will take a plethora of remedies, America, plethora, not just one, one size doesn't fit all. They will take a plethora of remedies to solve the problem with these guns. Starting with electing leaders that have a spine. And on the other hand, we all have a role to play. These words from my interview on The Breakfast Club. We going back to the wild, wild west, you wanna arm teachers? Instead of getting to the root of the problem, you can arm every teacher in America. That's not gonna get it at the root of the problem because if somebody is really determined to be a mass shooter, they ready to die. Mm -hmm. That's right. On that day, I'm ready to die because I know that the chances that I may die are very high and I'm just going in to do this. Again, you can't solve the gun problem with more guns. Mm -hmm. We got more guns than any other nation per person in this in this country. So it is, I, I mean, and parents are already armed. There's, I know a lot of armed parents, but that is not necessarily the solution. The solution is getting at the root of the problem is mental health. And I'm not talking about diagnosed people, but we have a mental health problem in this country, an mm -hmm. addiction to guns. That's number one. Number two, we need other types of services that wrap around a community to try to prevent this from happening. The goal is prevention. The goal is not to have people to act when it's happening. That's it. The goal is prevention. Not to have people armed to the teeth, shooting up everything after it happened. We don't want things like this to happen, America. Can I get an amen on that? Can I get a hello somebody on that? Are you just as fed up as you saw Representative Bowman uh, comport himself that day? Because that was the right reaction to have. Stop being cool, calm, and collected in situations where we should not be cool, calm, and collected. We should be absolutely outraged. And it's not just about mass shootings that happen in schools. That's one part of it. But in some communities, there's mass shootings on a regular basis. So we have a lot of work to do as a nation to deal with this 
problem and make no mistake about it, it is a problem. And that's why I said it's not the sole solution. You know, I'm not going to tell parents who are responsible gun owners not to not to have a weapon. They can have a weapon. But again, you can't outgun the guns. You're going to shoot up everybody, everybody dead. That's really what this comes down to unless we as a country change course here. And when I said that people who want to do that are going to do it anyway, I, I know some of the people on the right say that too. I'm not saying it in the same way that they're saying. What I am saying is that we must always be ready to deal with matters of this import. But that does not mean that the solution, like that representative that got up and represented Bowman's face, the solution is not necessarily to arm every teacher. You think those bullets got names on them? So the teachers having a shootout and everybody having a shootout. That's not it. That is not it. The solution is many, it's a plethora of things. Protecting the schools, making sure, as I said in that interview on the Breakfast Club, that we have wraparound services in communities, making sure that people are gainfully employed, making sure that we have Medicare for all, so that in cases where people do have mental health challenges, and let me lay this out here, because everybody want to make it like people who have diagnosed mental health. I want to be clear about this. They randomly just going out shooting, and that is not the case. Now, that's not to say that some of these people who are doing it don't. They might not be diagnosed, but I'm also tired of the mental health, people with mental health ish challenges always being labeled in that way. It's unfair to them. Now, when I said this country has a mental health problem, I meant that. Addiction to guns is a damn mental health problem. When we so addicted that we don't want to save our babies or save our communities, something is wrong. So are you with me, America? Show the requisite emotion. Take a page out of Representative Bowman's book and start pressing these leaders, whether they Republican or Democrat, to stop playing games with the lives of our children and the lives in our community and do something. Common sense gun reform is just one thing, but we need other social services that will help undergird people in this country. And it don't matter if you rock red or rock blue, this is about humanity. All right, wrap your minds around that. We coming back after this. Welcome back to the show. I hope you're wrapping your minds around that. Jackson and I continue to talk about this throughout the break. This is serious and it's not just about you know what's gonna happen after the fact. You know, Jackson was sharing that that desanctimonious is that who it was? Oh uh, no, Rick Rick Scott, close oh, almost. Rick Scott, Rick, well, hell, they, you've Scott. seen one, you've seen them all. You know, they the rhetoric that they have, but you know, talking about automatic death penalty. That's again, these are after the fact things. We need yep. to do some things as a nation to try to prevent as much as we can. We know we can't present prevent a hundred percent, but if we can get to ninety eight percent, that's good. Prevent as much as we can, America, and we can do many things to try to stop this kind of stuff from happening. Oh, We're so glad to be back. Now, don't forget to listen to Unboss wherever you get your podcast, baby. Listen to us and you can watch your favorite TYT shows on Pluto TV, Samsung TV plus Roku, YouTube TV and much, much more by searching for TYT or the Young Turks. And remember to add our channel to your favorites. And do not forget after this show, you can catch JR Jackson on the 
watch list right after this. So please watch his show. All right, coming to our comments, my favorite part of the show, TYT members first Speed Racer. Hey, Speed Racer, you've been missing in action. So glad you're back in the comments today. Nina, congrats to your cast. I know that's right, Speed Racers in the land, baby. They beat all, oh, they beat my Pacers real good. Oh, Speed Racer, thank you. What sportsmanship to congratulate me. And your Pacers played a good game though. I was in the place, they were they were handling their own. But thank you for the congratulations. And Danny Houdini Dragon, Merry Monday, I love that. Nina, lovely as always, and Jackson joining the ranks of unbossed regulars. Yes, he is. Much love to you both from Sweden. Thank you, Danny. Oh, from Sweden. From Sweden. Oh, we trying to be yeah. more like Sweden over here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we do. We, we strive to be like y'all. Danny, <laughs> help us out on, on that, but thank you, darling, so much. And on Twitch, Adam. Hey, Adam, Nina Jackson, here we go. Yes, here we go, baby. And on YouTube- I need, I need this right now, you know what I'm saying? I'm dealing with a whole bunch of stuff. I'm 31, I'm like, okay, what am I doing with my life now? Which direction am I headed? So it's good to to hear this type of feedback, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's definitely uh, it's, it's much needed, so thank you. Well, you are appreciated, Jackson, and you're good at what you do. Thank you. And on YouTube, Super Chat, Christina, I love Nina and Jackson so much. Nina for president. Thank you for that, Christina. You yes. Know, they ain't ready for this type of black girl magic. Yeah, yeah, 2028. You know what I'm saying? We gotta, we gotta let Biden and Trump get out the way. You know what I'm saying? And then we got, yeah, we gonna, we gonna keep on building until it's time. We're gonna keep on building. I would be gassing up the jet. Look, hey, Jackson, I need me 10 Air Force Ones all lined up and ready yep. to go, baby. Yep. I'm, I'm gonna be on, to state I'm gonna be on your campaign going hard for you. You know what I'm saying? Hey, so I, I appreciate that. We ain't gonna let. <laughs> I would not waste the power of the presidency. You can believe that. I would be I would be out here working like I'm only gonna get one term. So we're gonna get it all done as much <laughs> as we can. And then Donald, I'm starting to get fired up. I need your spark, Senator. Thank you, Donald, so much. We appreciate you and each and every one of you, our viewers and our subscribers and our members. We cannot do what we do, boo, without each and every one of you. Thank you so, so very much. All right, now I am about to go from happy to perturbed. Yeah. DeVos throws money into the Chicago mayor race. Chicago's mayoral runoff is tomorrow and it's a tight race between progressive Brandon Johnson and conservative Democrat. You got it right. Paul Vallis. First, a quick recap of what's happening and about the candidates. The two candidates to emerge from February's nonpartisan primary, Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis, are both Democrats, but offer a genuine, if not necessary, sobrious choice. Hope I pronounced that damn word right. Y'all know sometimes. Maybe I didn't, but you know, forgive a sister. Mr. Vallis, 69, is an educational bureaucrat who has run school systems in Chicago and elsewhere. Mr. Johnson, 47, is a former public school teacher who has been one of 17 members of the Cook County Board of Commissioners. Mr. Vallis has positioned himself as intensely practical. Ooh, Lord, when y'all start hearing these damn Democrats talking about practical over having a vision that provides provision for the people, we in trouble. That's your sign right there that I ain't the right person. Mr. Johnson has positioned himself as an unflinching progressive. If elected, Mr. Vallis pledges to increase the police presence in crime 
written communities. I hope he has some plans to do other things than increase the police presence. Lead that up team because you know police presence is, is one thing, but trying to get the police to be the social worker and all those other things that, that need to happen in the community to make it whole. This ain't about having more police and more guns, all right? Because if that was the solution, then hell, we should be flying mighty fine, mighty high in America, but that ain't the damn solution, but that's it. He has the support of the police union, of course he does. Mr. Johnson claims that his major investment won't be in cops, but in people, by which he means programs. He has the support of the teachers union. Johnson has the backing of many prominent Democratic politicians, including Senator Bernie Sanders. Right now is literally a nail biting race. It's a statistical dead heat. Latest polls show Chicago mayoral race in a dead heat as candidates make final pitches. Meanwhile, Paul Vilas is getting some financial help from a certain former education secretary. DeVos, her, Todd Pack sends $60,000 in support of Chicago school privateer Paul Vallis. The Illinois Federation of Children PAC, which is bankrolled by the DeVos backed American Federation for Children Action Fund, recently spent almost $60,000 on digital media supporting Vallis, according to new campaign finance disclosures. Thank you, Common Dreams. Thank you, Jake Johnson. The American Federation for Children Board includes infamous political figures such as former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. And former former Senator Joe Lieberman, both of whom are outspoken supporters of school privatization. The Illinois families for public schools were quick to recognize the dangers of DeVos influence in the race. And it is, in fact, dangerous. If she's on the other guy's side, you gotta look twice, maybe three times at this fella. DeVos has not endorsed Vallis. Vallis education plans for Chicago school systems are directly aligned with the DeVos agenda of school privatization. One she supported as Secretary of Education, shouldn't have never been a Secretary of Education, oh, but I digress. And promotes through her national network of advocacy organizations and PACs, defunding and dismantling public school systems and redirecting public funds via programs like vouchers to private schools. What's going on in Chicago is really another example of big corrupt money thrown into politics. Trust me, I've understood it. Both personally and also for candidates that I've supported over the years. Jackson, your thoughts? It's just really amazing how, like, you know, with the wealth gap, the people who got money to do stuff like this, like, it really is not a big deal to them. Like, they just throw tens of thousands, millions of dollars at X, Y, and Z to reshape the country in ways that they really won't feel. You know, like, it's really goofy that Betsy DeVos, like, why did, one, why did you really want to be education secretary? And why are you even in this space? Like, she just kind of comes off like a bored rich woman who just wants to have some kind of purpose in her life and, you know, never worked in a public school, never had any experience in that area whatsoever. But she's so passionate about charter schools. And it's like, why? You know what I'm saying? Like, where's all this conviction coming money, from? Money, 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 money. Right, 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 right. Just other than that. Yeah. So it, it's really just, you know, and, you know, and again, unfortunately, the wealthiest people in this country who could just bankroll the bankroll the government, um, they're just bored. And, and and everything that they're giving themselves more of, they don't need more of it. They're not being they're not becoming more happy or more fulfilled by taking less away from everybody else. But yeah, I mean the. the just Betsy DeVos, the fact that she was the uh, education secretary is really just an indictment on oh, how yeah. corrupt our system is. 
It really, really is her and so many others. It's not just her. We can look at a whole bunch of cabinet secretaries, even some, you know, uh, right now in the Biden uh, cabinet too. It's the same absolute thing. So, you guys, tomorrow is the day. We will see if the progressive beats over the corporate dim tomorrow. Chi-Town, get out there to vote. If you all have family members in Chi-Town, please encourage them to get out there to vote. Now we move on to another basketball story that, you know, there was a win there. But what happened to one of the players is nothing to celebrate about. The final NCAA women's basketball game was yesterday and LSU, Louisiana State dominated and took home the championship. They was playing like my calves out there. But of course, some anti-black racist folks had to open their mouths. The situation comes as LSU's Angel Reese made a gesture before the end of the game, which her team was set to win. And here's the gesture that she made. She's pointing at a ring finger, y'all. Basically saying, we about to clinch this baby, the ring is ours. I mean, that's what that pretty much means. Now, many pointed out that Angel Reese, who is black, cuz see, because Angel Reese did it, now it was all kinds of problems. So many pointed out that Angel Reese, who was black, was simply repeating a gesture that Caitlin Clark, who is white, had made earlier in the tournament during a game against Louisville. Clark told an opponent, quote, you're down by 15 points, shut up. First, hmm. she was often praised on social media for her spirit and her swagger. All right, fine. You know, you can get away with that. Let's put up that the screen grab of those two. So Caitlin had did this to another team at another game, and then Angel did it last night. And nobody said anything about Caitlin, but now all of a sudden, what Reese did is a problem. It's a 911. 911, what's your emergency? Angel Reese did something that Caitlin did, and it's an emergency because she is a black woman. And players talk all kinds of trash. Put me up, y'all. Players talk all kinds of trash on the court all the time. Now you might not like it, but this is what they do. They try to intimidate the other, the players that they're playing against by getting in their head. Now whoever Caitlin told to shut up, I hope they told her to shut up back. The hell she thinks she is, she ain't nobody's mama. I'm sorry, y'all, I digress. I wish somebody would <laughs> tell me to shut up. All right, here we go. Both players are really skilled at what they do, but there is a double standard at play here. Which Reese called out. Watch this. Here, mm. when other people do it, y'all don't say nothing. So this is for the girls that look like me, that one that's going to speak up on what they they believe in. It's unapologetically you, and that's what I did it for tonight. This was for the more. It was bigger than me tonight. She is so right about this. This is for the girls who look like me. You better say that, Kayla. I understand because I get it too all the damn time. This is for the girls that look like me. Now, former ESPN host Keith Overman, he had to jump into this. He shouldn't have jumped into this because he wasn't invited. But oh yeah, he had to jump in, put up his tweet, please. What a effing idiot, he said. He said the F word, it wasn't freaking. All right, it wasn't flim flam. Y'all know what he said. Now he's calling Angel Reese an idiot on top of her putting up the gesture of the hands. Angel Reese to Caitlin Clark. But then because he got it, your thoughts on this so far? I mean, just in general, like <laughs> if if no one no one would have even noticed this, you know what I'm saying? 
Like if they didn't make a fuss about it, no one would have even paid attention or zeroed in on the fact that um, Reese had her hand up like this. Like who would have even picked up on that? And like you said, trash talking and getting in people's heads is just a part of sports, whether it's basketball, football, boxing, baseball. It don't matter what it is. It's or a part politics. of the game. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a part of competition. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And in a lot of ways, it's, it's what makes games enjoyable, depending on, you know, like how intense it is. So I personally, I mean, other than like, you know, racist people just looking for something to complain about, who cares? Like, right. they, like no one would, again, like if no one raised a fuss about this, no one would be talking about it whatsoever. <laughs> uh, so I just, I, I don't really see what the big deal is at all, other than I know, you know, we're talking about it to show the disparity, but it's like, and then Keith Olbermann, like, like you said, like, I know. Where did you come from? Who like, invited are you, him to this right. party? And are you really that offended? Like, are you really that upset? He, because he just had to have something to say, Jackson. Thank right. you, Jackson. I was, I was pretty much really all choked up over this. So oh, it's, all, it's all good. Um, it's, like they acting like, what's the dude name who had the guns? The the NBA dude. He was flashing his guns and, and stuff like that. They acting like she did something like that, you know, like to where she. But this right. is just competition on the court. This competition know? on the court. And yeah. men do this kind of stuff all the time. And but much here we worse. Go. <laughs> and much worse, you're right, messing with. So now Oberman got handed, he got handled, right? Cuz see, he didn't know that little Caitlin had done the same thing. So uh, let's go on though before he gets handled. So he also put up, doesn't matter the gender, the sport, the background, you're seconds away from a championship and you do something like this and overshadow all the good. Mindless, classless, and what kind of coach does this team have? You know, Keith Overin, you got some damn nerve, dude. You shouldn't have, this wasn't none of your business, but you jumped in, but you didn't know what you were jumping into. Now, here we go. Then he realized he got it twisted and then he tried to walk it back. Here it is. I apologize for being uninformed last night about the backstory. He should have said, I apologize for being uninformed last night about the black story on right. this. I, I don't follow hoops, college or pro, men or women. I had no idea about Clark, both are wrong. Hey, if you don't follow it, then why the hell are you commenting? <laughs> right. This, this is what I said today in today's countdown podcast, second segment, about 24 minutes. You know what, Jackson? He should have kept his mouth shut. Yeah, he really should have kept his mouth shut. It's too many people looking at him. You know what I'm saying? Like he even, you know, like even recently, like I've I've stopped talking as much on social media because too many people look at me. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's just like if you aren't sure about something or something doesn't really need to be said, you know, don't say it. Especially when you're Keith Oberman, somebody who most, well, I won't say most, but enough people in the United States who pay attention to sports and politics. Because I was first introduced to Keith Oberman when he did his daily Trump takedowns and stuff like that. You know, so it, to, for him to come out and say, oh, I, I mean, I don't even watch any of it at all. So it's like, well, why was your opinion so strong about it then? Like, oh, yeah. He was oh, just no. on a bandwagon. That's all it was. That's it. I mean, you don't have to comment about everything. It's right. Resist the urge. Right. Y'all, can, can we get some impulse control? And again, take, take it from me, somebody who's very impulsive. You know what I'm saying? Like, it gets you in trouble. And He's learned this, you know what oh, I'm saying? He learned. <laughs> he learned. I mean, they they got his behind. And then EP, ESPN's Holly Rowe defended both players, and this is what she tweeted out: People hating on Angel Reese or Caitlin Clark, stop. Unapologetically confident young women should be celebrated, not hated. Get used to it. And so, as Jackson, I was just saying, uh, family, this is sports. It gets heated. Yeah. People say things. They do things out there. This was happening in the heat of the moment. 
There's a however here, I want us to just step back for a moment because this is a teachable moment and you know how I love teachable moments on Unbossed. The anti-blackness to what Keith Oberman did is real. And it wasn't just Keith Oberman, a whole bunch of folks decided they wanted to jump in because it was Angel. See, they didn't know little Caitlin had did the thing before, but they thought it was just Angel, the black, the black young lady. So treating black women differently in all aspects of society is absolutely nothing new, especially in public spaces. We are often stereotyped in various ways, especially being called angry. Let me raise my hand, I can tell you, I would be a multi, multi, multi millionaire if I could let you know if I got paid for every time somebody called me an angry black woman. And you know what, sometimes I am mad as hell because when stuff is happening and going wrong and people are being hurt, I'm not gonna sit back cool, calm and collected. But it is a stereotype and it's meant as a negative. And unfortunately, some black folks absorb that as well. So treating black women differently. Now, Angel Reese stood up for herself. And we, we heard her interview, but this is also something that was tweeted out. I'm too hood, I'm too ghetto, y'all told me that all year. But when other people do it, and she means white people, let me just go and fill that in for her. Y'all don't say nothing. So this is for the girls that look like me. Angel Reese is unapologetically herself and amen to that Angel Reese. I'm feeling some vibes right here too, because I'm always fighting to be unapologetically who I am. And what Reese endured is rooted in historical anti-blackness and sexism. In the article, Breaking Down Stereotypes and Celebrating Black Women, Rowena writes the following. For centuries, the image of the loud, harsh, subservient, and angry black woman has been grossly imposed onto black women and perpetuated throughout the media. Historically, black women stereotypes are rooted in slavery and the Jim Crow era. Minstrel shows harmfully portray black women as loud, masculine, aggressive, naive, subserviently caring and obnoxious. She goes on to say the sapphire and the mammy stereotypes have had dire Traces on the present lens in which society views black women today. Reinforced through daily media consumption, the modern black woman, the modern black woman, constantly fights the persistent undermining of her opinions and personality as the traits of the angry black woman. Whether it be in the workplace, school, or related social settings, this trope follows the black woman's every action and serves to invalidate her every emotional reaction. You better go on Rowena and lay that out. And to this important point right here, put Jackson up beside me. I know we only got a few more minutes left in the show, so we might as well go on right on to it. These stereotypes silence the black woman and are subconsciously internalized by many. And it is subconsciously internalized, not just by white folks, but by other folks as well, including black folks. Let me just go on throw that in there. This leads to a fear of expressing themselves freely and often brings disadvantages when seeking new opportunities or positions. A collective and conscious effort must be made to first understand the historical context. The stereotypes arise from, we must then educate ourselves about our implicit beliefs and strive to create change in how we understand, treat and accept the black woman in modern society. Rowena did that damn thing. That is it folks, and that is all mic drop. And Jackson, I can tell you from personal experience, me personally and other black women that are in my lives, we go through this all the time. And we're gonna talk about this on another, and when you put colorism in there, 
Because don't be a, a chocolate sister. It's yeah. the stereotype is extra. They use that stereotype. I mean, it's been used against me most of my life, especially in the realm of politics. I don't play games. I show the requisite emotion. And when I'm mad as hell, damn it, I'm mad as hell. Look, there are angry black women. Y'all can join the club. We taking applications. Join the club if you mad as hell. Go on and join the angry black woman club. Taking applications, but they they used that trope against me in my last congressional race because the person I was running against was lighter skinned than me, and people came in from different different culture, used the angry black woman trope against me. And and like you pointed out too, I know we only got a, a minute or so, but colorism uh, goes deep even in the black yeah. community. I mean, speaking it. as somebody who's very 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 light skinned black man, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, my mom was that. very light skinned too, so yeah. you know. But yeah. go ahead. But no, I mean, like those types of tropes and ways of thinking uh, infest the black community as well and causes just a lot of division that's really unnecessary among men and women and people who are just of different shades. So it's not just, uh, you know, how the outside world treats uh, black women or the black community. But again, this goes deep into the black community as a whole and keeps us how we treat each other. Yeah, absolutely. And we picked up that bad habit from, you know, as Regina Ruina laid out, it comes back, you know, from slavery and the hatred that was poured into us generationally about our nose, our hair, our lips, our hips, you know, everything about us. And then now you got folks buying it, trying to buy the stuff that we were born with for the most part. It always looks better on somebody else and not necessarily on us. Well, Angel, we just want you to know you are the stuff woman. And you continue to be unapologetically who you are. This is for all the girls, baby, who look like you. I want you to know you gave me so much encouragement too, because I'm on the court as well. It's called the court of politics. We sending you love. Well, that's our time for today. We are glad to have Action Jackson here on Monday. We did yes. the daggone thing today, <laughs> and we must say so ourselves. And to each and every one of you who tuned in with us today, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Now, you know what we want you to do about this time. We want you to keep the faith always, always, always keep the faith. But you got to connect that faith with the fight. Until next time, go Cleveland. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.